You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 668 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Friday night. I know I said I wasn't probably going to record after this game, but about halfway through, I decided it was definitely going to happen, and uh, by the time this game ended, I was certainly going to break into a pseudo-emergency podcast because of the way that Trey Young played, and also just the uh, interesting nature of the game on Friday night. The Hawks go down in overtime by a final score of 105-104 at the hands of the Pacers. Um, I think big picture, it's been uh, you know kind of a frustrating night for some Hawks fans. Obviously, Trey Young was fantastic, but everybody else had some misgivings in this game. I'm going to start the podcast by saying that the Hawks were 10.5 point underdogs in this game, and they went to overtime and lost by one. So if you want to be positive, I'm not always positive, as everybody knows on the, on the podcast, but if you wanted to be positive in this game, you would say that the Hawks actually outplayed expectations pretty solidly in this game. Obviously, the vast majority of that is Trey Young playing absolutely lights out offensively in this spot, but... I do think that the Hawks, you know, big picture, it's a frustrating loss because they had a lot of opportunities to win this game down the stretch of both regulation and overtime, but um, a pretty decent effort overall from the team. Obviously, again, a lot of that or most of it, darn near all of it, was Trey Young being ridiculous in this game. But um, big picture, if you want to be trying to find the positivity in this one, that would be the uh, way to do it. But you know, because I wasn't going to record a podcast tonight, I'm going to just sort of dive right in. Not a, not a ton going on in the pregame. Obviously, the Hawks have now lost nine in a row and 15 out of 17, which is worth saying now at the top of this thing. But a relatively clean injury report. Cam Reddish played in this game after uh, being listed on the injury report as questionable early in the day on uh, on Thursday and Friday. But other than that, not too much of the pregame stuff to get to. So let's just dive right in. Um, the early going, the first quarter was pretty uneventful, honestly. It was 23-22 in favor of the Hawks. Uh, low scoring, as a lot of this game was, a 105-104 game in overtime is pretty low scoring and by today's NBA standards. It was kind of a slugfest throughout this contest. Um, one thing I wanted to note early is that the Hawks did play all. Uh, the, the Hawks played 11 guys in the first seven minutes, and those are the 11 guys that played the entire game. So a pretty... Uh, I guess, open rotation for the Hawks in this game from Lloyd Pierce. Um, Damian Jones, I thought, really struggled in the, in the early going. And Bruno came off the bench first alongside DeAndre Bembry. Then they finally went to Alex Len um, briefly. I thought Alex Len was pretty clearly the best center on the team tonight, and I think that already overall it was good to see him play after getting the DNPCD on Wednesday. Len rewarded Lloyd Pierce um, with his positive contributions with 29 minutes in this game, and Damian Jones did foul out. But a lot of uh, Len, which was good to see after not playing at all on Wednesday. Um, only five threes attempted by the two teams in the first 10 minutes of this game. A pretty weird game in a lot of ways. That was one of them. Not a ton of three-point attempts. It did pick up a lot um, down the stretch, particularly with Trey Young um, and Doug McDermott sort of launching a little bit late in the game. But uh, not, a ton, not a ton of volume from three-point range in this game, which is kind of a throwback in some respects. The Hawks did take a late lead in the first quarter and held on to it because no one scored in the final 90 seconds. They survived the first non-Trey Young stint. That was the only time they really did that. This game was uh, in the first quarter. They, they actually just managed to shut it down defensively and hang around during that stint. Um, the second quarter was the nicest uh, little stretch for the Hawks in this game. A 31-21 to quarter for Atlanta, including a 14-1 to run early on taking a 13-point lead. The Hawks had a 75 defensive rating for, through about a, a quarter and a half. That was a, a lot of that was, a, I would say, 
pointed to Indiana's lack of shot making, but still, the Hawks played pretty good defense in the first quarter and a half of this game. Alex Len had eight points and six rebounds in his first eight minutes of play. Indiana settled for a bunch of mid-rangers, but that's what the Hawks want to allow, so good on them for, uh, for forcing them into those shots. And Young had 12 points in the early going. Uh, he was in full control pretty much the entire game, but particularly, um, I, I thought, I mean, I made note of that, that he was just kind of everything for the Hawks in this spot, not breaking any ground there, but that was evident even when he wasn't necessarily putting up huge numbers in the first quarter and a half or so. There was actually the big run was taking place with, with Kevin Herter doing uh, sort of live analyst work by Fox Sports Southeast, which is kind of funny. Herter is, of course, rehabbing his uh, his shoulder injury, and actually he said um, candidly into the broadcast, he said, "quote We're looking at, at after this road trip," end quote for his return, and he said as he said as early as next week, which is something that was backed up by the way that the uh, Hawks were, talk- were talking about him last week with Travis Schlenk on the radio, and also the Hawks just kind of publicly saying that. So I guess Herter could be back by the middle of this week. I said this before, but the Hawks do have three days off after the game on Wednesday, so might be worth holding him out another day or two, get him back on the court, maybe maybe for that game on Sunday, next Sunday, I should say, in Charlotte. But anyway, we'll come back to that at a later date. Um, the Hawks played some big lineups in this game because they were a little bit shorthanded, of course, and this is a rare matchup where Indiana's playing two traditional bigs a lot. Most teams are not doing that in today's NBA a ton, but because they have Sabonis and Turner, who are right now their best two players, or at least two of their best three players alongside Malcolm Brogdon, um, they have uh, every reason to play big at times, and the Hawks match that. With Bruno at the four, they, they also played a lineup that had Damian Jones and Alex Lynn on multiple occasions. That's a pretty weird thing to see for this Hawks team. I don't love that, but if you're ever going to do it, this is the time to do it against a team like Indiana that's playing two, tra- two traditional bigs. I thought Bruno had a good stretch in the second quarter where he had a nice sequence where he hit a left-handed hook shot and then uh, blocked a shot on the, other, on the other end of the floor. And um, the first time that they went to Bruno at the four, they actually had back-to-back possessions where the Hawks got offensive rebounds and putbacks, so that was a nice little reward for Lloyd Pierce doing that. The Hawks led by as many as 18 points in the second quarter after a tough three by, by Trey Young once again. And uh, there was a nice lob as well from Trey to Alex Lynn for a dunk, which is good to see there. But the the Pacers did sort of flash a little bit at the end of the first at the end of the first half, I should say, with an 11 to four run. They scored the last five points of the first half to get the lead um, back to 12 for Atlanta. Still up 11 at the half on the road. Can't really ask for much more than that. The teams uh, combined were four of 28 from three in the first half, and the Pacers, the Pacers only won three in the entire first half. You don't see that very often in an NBA game. Trey had 10 points in the second quarter and 15 at the half, um, which is already pretty impressive, but actually looks <laughs> sort of pedestrian based on, um, I guess, when compared to his, to his second half performance, but we'll come back to that as well. I thought, uh, and also Ben Ladner of Sports Illustrated mentioned this um, at halftime on, on Twitter, but I thought Trey's defense was pretty good in the first half, and really for the entire game. It wasn't great for the entire game. It was definitely better early on when he was carrying a little bit less of workload offensively, but I do think that he actually competed a pretty decent amount, did a pretty good job on Brogdon, and uh, was at least competitive for the most part, drew a charge in this game. Just a little stuff that Trey can get by with to not be so bad defensively. That's a good thing to see from him. Um, The Hawks did have good defensive numbers in the first half, and really for the entire game, honestly, when factoring in how bad Indiana shot the ball. Um, Len had 12 and 6 at the half, and the Hawks were up by 11 points despite an offensive rating about a, of about 104 in the first half. That's a pretty crazy ratio for a team that's definitely based on its offense. So credit to the defense a little bit for the way they played in the first half. Um, things did flip, though, as you might expect from, by, the, by the time this game uh, came to a close. The Hawks uh, got bludgeoned in the third quarter. There was a 14-3 run by the Pacers um, to, I guess, open the uh, first, uh, sorry, to open the second half. It was a 19-3 run overall combined with the, with the end of the first half, and suddenly the game was tied 
at 57-57. The Hawks missed 10 straight shots. They didn't score for almost five minutes of uh, of clock time from the end of the first half to the beginning of the second half. Damian Jones was very bad in that stretch. Cam Reddish also got yanked and uh, pretty much never returned. He, he did come back for one, one, one last possession on a defense-only trip at the very end of the game, but Reddish was limited to only 11 minutes of clock time. I think a lot of that was tied to how bad he was in the third quarter in his first stretch. He was uh, he came out of the game very fast for Bembry, and Bembry was kind of the guy from that point forward in that spot. Um, Trey, though, got them back on track with five big points, stopped the bleeding when they absolutely needed it at that point in time. They had some foul trouble up front with Jones and Len both having four early in the third quarter. Um, Len, of course, did not foul out of this game. Jones did foul out of this game in only 21 minutes of clock time. Um, when Trey went to the bench for the final time at the end of the third quarter, it was uh, the last 4.46 of the third. There was an 11-4 run by Indiana, only four points in about five minutes or so from the Hawks. That is pretty indicative of the entire season, honestly, whenever Trey leaves the court, but it was pretty jarring in the spot. The Hawks were still winning late in the quarter with all, with awful offensive numbers, but when Trey left the court, they just could not score. Um, that was their first deficit in a long time. In the third quarter alone, the Hawks shot 5 of 17 from the floor and had nine turnovers. That is not going to work. Um, particularly, even with I guess even with Indiana shooting the ball as poorly as they did, the Hawks were still trailing because of how bad they were offensively in the third quarter as an overall rule here. Um, in the fourth, though, it was all Trey Young, as you might as you might imagine by uh, if you watched this game or if you just saw the box score. Um, Trey hit a three with the, for the first bucket of the fourth quarter after he came back in finally after what seemed like an, an, an eternal absence. Um, by the way, people were saying this on Twitter, like they were like mad at Lloyd Pierce for having Trey Young out of the game for so long. Trey played 42 minutes. It's the first, sorry, 33 minutes. I know it was overtime, so he played 38 in regulation, but 38 minutes on the first side of a back-to-back is a lot of minutes for someone who's going to have to carry a massive workload on Saturday as well. I had no problem whatsoever with Trey sitting at the end of the third quarter. He has to sit at some point. He's not going to be able to play 48 minutes. You could sort of quibble, I guess, with how long he sat in a row. But uh, yeah, no issue whatsoever. I, I don't know what you want Lloyd Pierce to do with his current options without Herter, without Collins, etc. Trey has to sit at some point in time, so uh, no issue whatsoever with him sitting there because it was just yeah he has to do it sometime, and he might as well do it in the third quarter so he can come back um, at full strength in the fourth. Um, anyway, uh, a pretty hideous stretch on both ends of the floor, honestly, for the Hawks and the Pacers in the beginning of the fourth quarter. It was an air ball by, Dam- by Damian Jones, two bad misses by Indiana, um, just kind of ugly basketball, but then they finally had a 9-2 run by the Hawks to take to retake the lead at 77-76. Trey was uh, cooking at that point in time. Bembry had a dunk as well. Um, Trey, <laughs> this is a theme throughout the game, um, and we'll talk about that later, but at, at this point in the game, Trey was 5-9 from three, and everybody else on both teams both teams was three for 32 from three. One more time, Trey was five of nine, and everybody else on both teams was three for 32. That is insane. Uh, anyway, uh, an 8-0 run after that timeout by Indiana to take to reclaim uh, control of the game, go back back up by seven. It was a pretty uh, stark contrast between the pre-timeout and the post-timeout. Doug McDermott came in, hit back-to-back threes, and uh, in less than a minute, the game was flipped back in Indiana's direction. From there, it was a lot of back and forth, though, and a pretty entertaining close to this game. A nice three-point play by Bembry out of a timeout that was clutch, um, and then Trey gets a floater to get back within two. Trey then scored five more in a row with a three and a step-back jumper to prompt a timeout from the Pacers to give the Hawks back the lead, up by one with about five minutes to go. Um, From there, a lot of back and forth. The Pacers took a, took a three-point lead on a, on a floater by Jeremy Lamb. Um, Trey then missed a step back, but Alex Len 
grabbed a clutch rebound, got it back to Trey for two free throws to get back uh, within one point. Um, Pierce then went to the Jones-Lynn lineup together with about three and a half minutes to go. Jones fouled out shortly after that, but they did try it one more time and got a stop out of it to uh, create a ridiculous left-handed layup that was incredible from Trey Young going to his left there to score, go back up by one um, with three minutes to go. Jeremy Lamb then, t- then retook the lead um, with 124 to go in this game. Sabonis makes two free throws um, to break to break a tie, and then Hunter missed a wide open three. That was a brutal miss. Um, obviously, you can't really blame him too much for just missing one shot, but that was a big one in this game that I circled in my mind because that would have given the Hawks the lead. Um, fortunately, Bembry got a steal on the other end of the floor. He did miss a wild layup that was a bad decision from DeAndre. Um, that was the one that frustrated a lot of people, and obviously, I think DeAndre was an overall positive in this game, but he, he had some moments at the end of this contest. We should definitely say that, and that was one of them, was not pulling that out or getting the ball to Trey Young in any way there. Just misses a wild, a wild layup in, the, in transition with about 40 seconds to go. Fortunately, Rogdon, who had a really bad stretch here, turned the ball over from Indiana, and then Trey cooked him up to hit a floater, um, followed by uh, Brogdon missing at the buzzer. So Trey hits the massive shot to tie the game with about 11 and a half seconds to go. Brogdon, um, out of a timeout, gets a, gets a decent look at the basket, but good defense from DeAndre Hunter on that possession. So shouts to him for that. And that was the one time, as I, as I, as I said before, that Reddish played in the entire second half after he came out early in the third quarter was they brought him back in for that defense-only possession. Probably a good decision there considering his length and acumen off the ball. But um, yeah, there you go on that. Um, to overtime, I suppose. Uh, you know, at that point in time, you have to be, I guess, a little bit happier if you're a Hawks fan because of the way that it could have gone down in regulation. I thought, you know, as a uh, as an objective observer, I would have said that the Hawks were in were in bad shape um, when Beverly missed that layup with 39 seconds to go. Um, but you know, they they get they get it to the end there. They're down two at that point. They create the turnover by Brogdon, and then Young hits the floater to tie it um, in overtime. They got down in a hole, and uh, to their credit, again got back into it because the Hawks were down by five in a hurry after a uh, turnover by Trey and then a three by Miles. Turner. Um, Trey then traveled again and then missed a deep three. And at that point, if you told me all of that was going to happen, you're, the game's probably over. But to their credit, Turner just leaves Young wide open, kind of on the left wing. He makes a three to get back within two. And then the Pacers' offense fell apart. They, they committed a shot clock violation and uh, another big shot. As I, as I referenced the one for Hunter earlier, Jabari missed a wide open corner three as well. Then when the Hawks were down by two in overtime, that would have given them the lead. Um, Lamb did airball a mid-rager on the next possession. Um, probably got away with a foul there, at least a slight one, but a, a good break in the Hawks' favor in that spot. And then after a timeout by Lloyd Pierce, a great play design. They trap Trey Young. He finds Alex Len for a dunk, and then they tie the game at 99-99. I thought it was noteworthy that, tr- that Jabari Parker, out of a timeout on offense, was not in the game. They brought in Vince Carter, and uh, that was something that I just circled in my mind. I didn't think it was crazy because uh, Jabari was not good in this game, um, at least offensively, but at the same time, um, certainly something to circle when Jabari is not in the game offensively at the end of a contest. Um, unfortunately, from there, TJ Warren hit, hit a big shot, a corner three to go up by three points, and the Hawks never led again. Trey missed there. They got a stop, but off, uh, offensive rebound by by uh, Sabonis. Um, Vince Carter, though, with, with a big-time steal to create another another opportunity for the Hawks, and then Bembry missed again in, tra- in transition. That was the second time that he missed a high-profile layup in this game. This one, this one was probably worse because they were down by three. You just didn't need to do that. I don't know why he did that, honestly, and that's one of those times where I like DeAndre. I think he makes a lot of things happen, but that was a bad play. Um no matter how you slice it, frankly. Um, they, then they fouled the wrong guy in Brogdon, who is the best free throw shooter in the entire league. He makes both to effectively end the game. Um, from there, the Hawks did did get it back to three um, after a quick bucket fight by Trey, but then uh, after a foul, back to five, and then Trey hits a, a buzzer beater, basically. Um, sorry, down by four. Uh, Trey hits a buzzer beater um, to get it back to one, but it was basically 
a four-point spread in real life at the end of the contest, but Trey to get to his uh, career high, always smashing his career high with 49 points um, on that on that late three. So the second half, you know, a tale of two quarters, a 29-11 quarter in the third, 29-22 in the fourth, and then the uh, Hawks, of course, lose by one in overtime. So they had plenty of chances. I do think if you want to be charitable, this is a pretty good overall performance for the team. Um, most, Basically, again, all maybe not all of that, but most of that was Trey Young. And we'll, of course, talk about him more. Um, the rest of the team, before we get into the individual stuff here, as, as we always do on the podcast, the rest of the team in this game was one of 17 from three. Trey was 8 of 15 from 3. The rest of the team was 1 of 17. That's only one stat, but it's a big one. Um, 0 for 4 for Bembry, 0 for 2 for Crab, 0 for, 3, 0 for 2 for Vince, um, 1 for 4 for Parker. Sorry, 1 for, 1 for 4 for Hunter, 0 for 3 for Parker. Um, yeah, just nobody was making anything except for Trey Young. And uh, yeah, you can't really win that way, obviously. Um, we will come back in a moment to talk about the individual play, but one more time here the big picture overall stats for the Hawks offensively. A 96 offensive rating, that is brutal in a game where where your star player has a 49 point performance that's also incredibly efficient. Um, if you told me that coming into the game that Trey does this exact thing with with, with his exact line, 49 and six on good efficiency, and then you tell me the Hawks score 104 points on 98 possessions, uh man, that's bad. It's just not. Sorry, 98 possession pace for a full game, 108 possessions in the game. Um, that's just terrible by everybody else. Um, obviously, there were a couple guys that were um, sort of excluded from that in a big picture sense. But uh, yeah, it's kind of tough to do that when your best player is as good as Trey was. To still to still score 96 points per home possessions is uh, pretty brutal. Um, I guess kindly, defensively, they did some things well. Indiana did help. Quite a bit, I would say. A lot of bad mid-range jump shots, some bad shooting. 6-26 from three for the, for the Pacers. Um, they were not very good in this game. I am a pretty significant Pacers doubter, and Indiana has not played a tough schedule so far this year, and this is kind of all their warts on display at once. I'm not a big Pacers guy this year, particularly particularly until Old Depot gets back, but they got a win here based on the fact that um, Trey had no help and Indiana just did just barely enough to get a win. But anyway, uh, the defense, if you want to be positive, the defense was actually pretty good from the Hawks in this game, particularly by their standards, even, even if they had definitely uh, some help from Indiana. So with all that said, we'll get to the individual portion of the game. That's a very, very long preamble, but uh, hold on tight. Here's a quick break to hear from our sponsors. We'll come back with the individual stuff in this game. All right, we're back. A longer than usual podcast, despite being teased as a shorter than usual podcast because of the fact that there was so much to talk about in an overtime game. But this segment will be shorter, I think, because of how brutal some of the stuff was. So to the bench first, we'll save Trey for the end. Um, to the bench, three guys the Hawks played in this game, double-digit minutes, did not score. Alan Crabb, 10 minutes, did not score, was minus 13. He was bad. I am an Alan Crabb defender. Um, if Alan Crabb's not going to make shots and he was over 3 in this game, over 2 from 3, he does not do really much else well, and in this game it was particularly stark. Defensively had some had some lapses. Offensively had a couple of uh, misgivings, some extra passes that didn't need to be there, et cetera, et cetera. I thought he was pretty bad, um, and we'll kind of leave it there. Evan Turner, a quiet day for Evan. He had three turnovers, though, and his one um, – uh, uh, sorry, he only, actually, I think he only, only had two stretches of play, if my mind serves me well, but uh, 13 minutes, three turnovers – did have some good defensive moments, I thought, from Turner, to be uh, positive about him. But on the one-shot attempt, did have a steal, three turnovers, though, in his 13 minutes, did not um, score a point. Vince Carter, 0 for 5 from the floor, 0 for 2 from 3. Didn't play a ton and then got some run late because they, they, took, because they took Jabari out. But Vince was uh, quiet in this game in a bad way, I would say, for him. Um, we'll get into a little bit more positive guys on the bench now. Bruno Fernando didn't play a ton, 15 minutes. 
Six points, four rebounds, two assists, and a block shot. I said before, I think he had a pretty good stretch at one point in time. Still takes a lot of stuff off the table with his just not knowing what to do a lot of the time, but um, I thought his stint was not, his two stints were actually not too bad in this game. I will be positive about that to some extent. Alex Lynn, I thought was pretty good. 15 points, nine rebounds, a steal, only one turnover, had four fouls, was plus five. That did not seem like a fluke at all. Made five, six from the free throw line, five, eight from the floor. Um, I thought Lynn was good. I think it's a good reminder that he's good at basketball. Um, Not great. I think he's still a backup center in the grand scheme of things. And on on a good basketball team, that's what he would be. Um, But he is the best team. He's the best guy the Hawks have in this game. That was very, very apparent. There are certain matchups that are going to be bad for him. But in this game against a traditional center and Turner and another guy like that in in Sabonis, they needed to have Lynn on on the floor. And defensively, it was night and day when he was on the court versus when he was off the court. They just need him and his length. And that was good. A good... uh, I guess data point in favor of Alex Lynn would be this game. Um, last guy on the bench, DeAndre Bembry. I know people were upset with him after the game. I understand why. He had a couple of high-profile mishaps offensively. Lloyd Pierce was very complimentary of Bembry. I know he loves him in general, but the numbers look good as well. 15 points, 12 rebounds to lead the team. He was plus 13. That was the best plus minus in the entire roster in 41 minutes. He was 7-13 from the floor. 0-4 from three is bad, of course. He can't really shoot. That's not going to be changing anytime soon. But 7 of 9 on twos, his two misses were very, very high profile. That was the one late layup in the at the end of the regulation and one late layup at the end of overtime i understand those were bad i just said they were bad multiple times but if you want to take a step back here i would tell you that memory played well in this game and he absolutely did i know he had bad moments they hurt you i totally get it and he's a he's a sort of a maddening player at times but memory's overall contribution was uh, one of the few positives in this game even with the bad moments at bad times uh, to the starting lineup, we'll save Trey for the end because he was fantastic. Everybody else struggled, I would say. Jabari Parker had probably his worst game as a Hawk. I do think that he, at least offensively, I do think that defensively he actually kind of surprisingly battled. He was probably the best option they had against Sabonis in the post at times. He made a couple of nice steals, a couple of good plays on the ball. I think on the ball, his defense has actually been a little bit better than I thought it was going to be. Off the ball, it's it's a disaster. Um, there's no way around that, but... On the ball, I'll be positive and say he has some nice moments here. Offensively, though, one of the from the floor, 0-3 from three, four points. You just can't have Jabari on the court if he's going to play like that offensively because his defense is not a positive, obviously. Um, did have 10 rebounds, which is good to see, and three steals. He, he was pretty active. But, um, yeah, his offense was, was a minus. And at the end of the day, Pierce, I, unless there was an injury that we didn't see, Pierce just chose to go with Vince. And that was a move that I can sort of defend. I don't love it because Vince didn't really have it going in this game either, but they wanted to have that sort of savvy on the court, I think, and Jabari just didn't play that well in this game. Uh, Cam Reddish was bad. Uh, 11 minutes, 2 points, 3 rebounds, an assist, and 1 of 7 from the floor, 0 of 1 from 3. I didn't think that Cam was like any worse offensively than he's been at times. The third quarter was rough, and I think that's probably what set Lloyd over the edge to to have him not play the rest of the game. Um, In the grand scheme, though, he's been bad offensively for most of the season, so nothing terribly different here. Defensively, has some nice moments, but uh, 11 minutes is certainly worth noting. Uh, I know it's back-to-back, I know he's on the injury report, but I don't think that he was injured because he came back in for that possession at the end of the game. I would have been a little bit more charitable if not for that, so I think it was definitely a coach's decision, and uh, we'll see how much he plays on Saturday. I think we've, we we kind of know right now that he's not the best option in terms of starting games. I know he's benefiting from Kevin Herter not being there, but, you know, I know this is going to be controversial, but Bembry's better than Reddish. It's not really <laughs> – I mean, right now, as a full basketball player, Bembry's better. Now, long-term, you obviously rather have Reddish, so you want to play him minutes, et cetera, et cetera. It's sort of an age-old question at this point in time, how much do you want to play Cam? But in this game, Lloyd went with the better player and the hot hand in Bembry, and that was the choice that he made. So we'll see how much they see how much that happens again on Saturday. 
I would still guess that Cam is starting, but 11 minutes for a starter without injury is uh, noteworthy, to be sure. Um, last, um, sorry, second to last, I should say, Damian Jones. No, third to last, I should say. Damian Jones, 21 minutes, six points, fouled out, five rebounds. I thought he was very bad in the third quarter, um, a little bit better than that early on. Had some nice moments offensively. He's still a good lob threat at times, but had a bad air ball um, for no reason out of three. It was weird. Um, defensively, Gave decent energy, just is kind of lost a lot of the time. I didn't think he was absolutely unplayable, but Lim was a lot better, and that was pretty noteworthy, and I didn't think Jones was very good overall. Uh, DeAndre Hunter played 41 minutes. He was pretty quiet, only took eight shots. Kind of just played slow offensively. Didn't play well offensively at all, I, I don't think. Missed the one big three that I noted earlier. Still one of four from three. Had a couple nice plays. Had a good defensive moment at the end of the game. I th- sorry, at the end of regulation on... Uh, Brogdon, I think Hunter is. This is one of those games where he kind of dis, he kind of disappears and not in a great way. Uh, the defense is still pretty good, but offensively it was not a good night for DeAndre. Um, he had five turnovers as well. Was plus ten though. He was on the court with Trey. That's a lot of that. But um, I think that Hunter is just one of those guys where he's going to have some of these nights where he disappears a little bit. He's a rookie. I'm not worried at all. He was not. This is not his best game by any means, but still had some. He still managed to have some nice flashes, particularly on the defensive end of the floor. And then of course Trey Young. Trey Young was absolutely ridiculous. In this game, I feel bad the Hawks lost this game because uh, Trey will still get attention for it as he, as he absolutely should. But would have been more if they had pulled out the win. You almost you, you have to acknowledge that a season high for Trey comfortably, and he now matches his career high in this in this spot with 49 points, 49 points on 16 of 28 from the floor, eight of 15 from three, and nine of nine from the free throw line. Did have nine turnovers, which somebody somebody was like, right? My mentions was pre- was pretty funny today. Someone was like, "We well, had nine turnovers." I'm like, "Are you kidding?" Uh, I understand that's too many. I, I'll be the first one to say that. But 49 points on 28 shots and 15 15 threes. Um, you know, Richard Deitch of the Athletic uh, tweeted out in this game, basically said, "I haven't seen too much of Trey Young. Um, is this, is this how he always is?" And people were saying yes. Um, I do think that he's carrying this workload all the time, but he shot the ball better than he usually shoots the ball in this game. That has that has to be said. Um, you know, he came into the game, I uh, pulled this up um, at the end of the contest, he came into the game shooting, um, I believe it was 44% from, from the floor and 36% from three, which is perfectly acceptable. If he does that for the full season, that's very, very good for Trey Young. But then he comes out and shoots 16 of 28, which is 57%, and then 8 of 15 from three, and my quick math tells me that that's 53%. That's obviously better than normal. Um, but he was just ridiculous, man. I mean, he, he made every play in the second half. He had five points in the first quarter and had 44 after that. He had 34 points after halftime. He made every play for Atlanta down the stretch. Um, obviously, he the, the unfortunate part for Trey is that he's asked to do that right now because they just don't have anybody else when he leaves the when he leaves the floor. I know this is about breaking ground. Anybody that's listening to this podcast or really following the team closely, but when he leaves the floor, the offense just completely dies. And if he doesn't have it going, the Hawks should have no chance right now. He had it going in this game. The Pacers didn't play well, and the Hawks still lost because they had he had no help whatsoever. Um, I know that I, I said before that like guys like Lennon Memory actually played pretty well in this game, but offensively, Trey Young is the sun, moon, and the stars, and he was every bit basically the best. It's pretty much as good as he possibly could be in this game, and they still lost because he just doesn't have any help. So there you go. On that, I, I could probably glow on Trey for hours and hours, and he'd be worth it because the way he played in this game, he was just absolutely crazy good in the spot. Forty nine and six. And six assists should have been more. I mean, a lot of missed shots. I can think of two or three in my head right now that were easy buckets that were missed or easy wide-open threes that were missed for Trey. He could have had ten assists very easily. 
and the 49 speaks for itself. I know the last five points were pretty much garbage time, but even before that, he had 44. So, and, and it wasn't like he played a crazy minutes total. 43 minutes is a lot, even in an overtime game, but it's not like he played 60 minutes in this game. And that, like, like the way that he did in Chicago, where he's playing 58 minutes or something like that, 49 points in 43 minutes is just ridiculous, man. And he was being guarded by good defenders. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon's a good defender. Um, it wasn't like he was playing a terrible defense in Indiana. Indiana's not bad defensively. So, yeah, Trey Young was ridiculous. I wish it would have been under better circumstances that we're talking about this. I probably would have talked about him a lot more at the beginning of the podcast had they won this game. That's just the way the cookie crumbles. But hopefully I've done this justice because Trey was unbelievably good. And uh, I don't care about the turnovers. That's <laughs> just one thing I have to say right now. There are games when he has turnovers that are bad. He had a couple in this game, particularly late. I know he had a couple in overtime that were unfortunate. But if you're criticizing Trey Young about turnovers in this game, I, I need you to just log off, frankly, because he was it. He was the only guy that had it going offensively from start to finish. And uh, one more time, 49 points on 16 of 28 from the floor, 8 of 15 from three, 9 of 9 from the free throw line, and it's a shame the Hawks didn't win this game because he earned he, he earned, it, he earned it with the way that he played in this spot. So uh, that's a lot to say about this game. Um, and honestly, this is probably one of the longest podcasts I've done, which is kind of crazy because I wasn't going to do a podcast tonight. But when you have an overtime game, and an individual showing like that, I have to break in and talk about it. Um, quickly, looking ahead to Saturday, the Hawks play in Houston, a brutal circumstance for Atlanta. They have an 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time game on Friday, and then at the same time on Saturday after playing an overtime game. The Rockets did not play on Friday, so they'll be well-rested. The Hawks will not be. They will not get into Houston until well after 1 or 2 in the morning, I would imagine, um, and that's one of the best circumstances possible. Uh, Houston is not going to be a team that always shows up perfectly, so if you want to be a little bit optimistic, Houston's not the most consistent team in the world, but still, they'll be well-rested, and they are much better than the Hawks are. Uh, James Harden is a tough task for anybody, and as a result of that, Vegas currently installs the Rockets as 13.5-point favorites in that game on Saturday. Um, the Hawks are 10.5 tonight. 13.5 um, seems low based on if you want to compare it to Indiana, because uh, Houston's better than Indiana and there's now a less rest advantage, et cetera. Um, it's a tough spot. I mean, even before the before this uh, the trip started, I was talking to some folks um, in Atlanta on Monday about just how bad the schedule set up for this Saturday game. It's one of those NBA schedule losses to where, you know, I'm tempted to say if Trey doesn't have this kind of game again, they have no chance to win. And I think that's kind of true because of the fact that, um, you know, you can't put it all on Trey by any means, but even this is the same thing. If, Trey could have this same sort of game again, and they could still lose to Houston because Houston is much more talented than they are playing at home, rest advantage, et cetera, et cetera. Usually young guys don't travel that well. And uh, yeah, so on paper, not the good, not the greatest matchup in the world for Atlanta. And after losing nine in a row, you would hope that they get up for this one, but um, it would not be a surprise to anyone if they came home on Monday against the Warriors having lost 10 in a row. And that's just brutal, man, because they absolutely could have won this game. They could have won a couple of these over this stretch, but this is one where the Hawks have to be kicking themselves to some degree, and um, yeah, I'll leave it there for now. Um, hopefully everybody appreciates this, uh, I guess, pseudo-emergency podcast on Friday into Saturday night. I can't imagine it'll be huge listenership based on the Thanksgiving holiday and the back-to-back, but I appreciate everybody that's jumping in to listen to the show. Please share your gratitude by uh, sharing this podcast. Tell people about the show if you like it. I really appreciate everyone's already dug in and said positive things about it and shared five-star feedback on podcast networks, etc. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all that in, th- in the Thanksgiving spirit. I hope everybody enjoyed their Thanksgiving um, Hawks Pacers accepted, and we will see everybody once again after Hawks Rockets on Saturday night, so please stay tuned for that.